Welcome to Let's Get Our Ship Together, a queer woman of color debrief on the latest in queer lady and POC representation in television and film. I'm Amira. And I'm Aphrodite. And in this episode, we are going to be talking about two queer lady movies, Duck Butter, and then later on, we'll talk about The Feels. Both are available on Netflix. The Feels came out in 2017. That's right. It's still very recent, and Duck Butter just came out this year. And so we're shifting gears in this episode because up until now, we've only talked about television. We've only talked about queer women of color characters in TV, but Mm -hmm. the poll type has wrapped up. And with it, um, most of our queer women of color representation. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. At least that's on TV right (laughs) now. On TV at the moment. And this is that space. We're here to talk about stuff with you. Yay. Mm -hmm. I'm very excited. I'm very excited to talk about these movies. They're both queer lady films that feature a lead protagonist who is a queer woman of color character. Mm -hmm. With Duck Butter, the queer woman of color character is also played by a queer woman of color actress. So Aaliyah Shawkat. Constance Wu, if she comes out, I will be so pleased. (laughs) Her talent is incomparable. Speaking of which, did you see Crazy Rich Asians yet? Duh. Okay. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I saw it last night, opening night. Thank you very much. It was so fun. It was? Um, that was yeah, good. That's it good. was a fun movie. And they do have one queer character in there. <gasps> I know. And right, right. I, well, I, don't wanna, I don't want to spoil the movie, but mm-hmm. I appreciated his presence there as one of the side characters. Yeah. But like, obviously, this is a heterosexual romantic comedy. Right. And you should watch it to watch it. And that I think the last all Asian cast was 1993's Joy Luck Club. So for that reason alone, you should go and support the film and see it opening weekend, especially. But yeah, Constance Wu, if she comes out, I, <laughs> like, I have such an extensive crush list at this point, but she's definitely on it. I think you should uh, compile a um, definitive crush list oh with like, rankings. Route. I think that would, be, that would be fun. Oh my God, Amira, is this a podcast episode in the I making, think it though? is. I we- think it is. <laughs> We my should. list will be full of blondes. Oh my god, stop. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Lucy Lawless is blonde. Yeah, I was just like, going to say, she's blonde She's a blonde now, woman. So that's it. Yeah. yeah, no, 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 no. Okay, no, we should come up with a list, and we have to justify that. Like, you, you yeah. have to decide why certain people are ranked on there in the order mm-hmm, that they mm-hmm. are. Yeah, and no, it, can no. be, it can be either characters or actors, I think, would be Ooh. fair. Because sometimes you like a character, but you don't like the actor. Um, True. You know, may I suggest Maggie Sawyer? <laughs> I'm Supergirl. Yeah, yeah. Am I, I wild for you? Oriana Lima? No. Right. But Maggie Sawyer? Yes. Mm-hmm. So we should, we should, we, yes, let's get, let's get on. Topic. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> By the way, this entire podcast episode is going to be a spoiler zone. We're yeah. not going to do like an extensive recap. We're going to spoil every little detail and tell you, tell you what we think. So, Go and watch the movie or tune in and then just, you know, don't be mad about it. (laughs) Yeah. And again, they are both available on Netflix. So I know everybody out there has either an account of their own or a password for somebody else's account. So should be able to watch it pretty easily. So I wanted you to watch Duck Butter because I felt like it was really worthy of discussion. Not because it was like, oh, this is a fun lesbian movie that's going to make you feel good about yourself. (laughs) No, that's not what this is. The lead character, who's played by Aaliyah Chalkat, she goes by Nima. So Nima's sort of like, I would say, soft butch. Yeah, um, a little like andro, maybe. A little I mean, bit androgynous. I feel like I know exactly her type of lesbian. 
the one like, who brings up depressing political things at parties. Like, exactly. Who is like super <laughs> jaded, has a bajillion yeah. of, uh, opinions, talks a mile a minute with all their ideas just out there. Mm-hmm. And then I also feel like I've come across a couple of Sergios, you know? Oh, for uh, sure. Yeah, sort of like free-spirited, generally more femme of center mm-hmm. queer women who mm-hmm. get away with a lot of bullshit because they're skinny and white. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I was I was thinking that seriously while I was watching the film. I was like, how much of this would Nima be putting up with if Sergio were not hot? Yeah, if she wasn't skinny and white. And we get that from that scene where she where we first meet her. She's on stage and her music mm-hmm. sucks. And she's yeah. like, What do I do to win over these <laughs> queer women? And then she starts making out with them. And I'm like and I'm like, that's exactly what a skinny, pretty white girl would do with this situation. Like, I'm not talented, but I know you want to kiss me. She says, Pretend I'm Stevie Nicks and she goes. She goes Jesus. to start making out with one of them. Yeah, yeah, from the beginning, you could tell she was going to be wild. Overall, I have to say this movie was a little... It was, it was fucking weird. I got to be honest. I, <laughs> I finished that movie and I was like, that was a trip, man. Like, that, it, was, it, was, it wasn't bad, but it was a lot. It's a lot to unpack. It's like, mm. there's just so much happening. It reminded me a little bit, actually, of um, Room in Rome, where it's just yes. like so much of like these two people intensely hanging out and then like having these intense discussions and then having sex and then having intense discussions and then having sex which can get very boring as i think it did in room in rome but in this movie it ended very differently let me just say about nima i found her very relatable like how you were saying and that you know i know people like that but also i felt personally i understood her sort of feeling of you know, worrying about is she going to find someone and is it even worth it to get into a relationship? You know, and she can throw around excuses of like, oh, with the world being how it is, blah, blah, blah. But I feel like she just had a very low sense of like self-worth and Mm. self-esteem. Yeah. And that's why she, I think, let Sergio get away with as much as she did before finally breaking down and being like, this is too much. We have to stop. Okay, so this movie was weird. And I... (laughs) I watched it on my birthday with two of my queer women of color besties. And I was like, oh, look, a fun lesbian love story to watch on my birthday. And, <laughs> and like, as soon as Sergio came onto the stage, I was like, oh, okay, I buy this. Cause I was like really hoping for, for like a feel good lesbian movie. Right. I also like tried not to read anything about duck butter before watching it, you know, That's like smart. I didn't read anything about it. And so like the two friends that I saw it with, they immediately were like, we don't trust this bitch. Keep yeah. your distance. And I'm like, no, she's free-spirited. She's so fun. Maybe she'll, I don't know, inspire some kind of change in, in Nima's character. And then after the fact, one of my besties, Gabby, she was like, this is the manic pixie dream girl trope. Yep. This yep. is that trope, but with a lesbian couple. Mm-hmm. And so for those of you who aren't familiar, the manic pixie dream girl trope is when a brooding male protagonist who's emotionless, jaded or whatever, meets somebody, typically a stunningly attractive, energetic, high on life, full of wacky quirks and idiosyncrasies. Zoe Deschanel, basically. Yes, yes, yes. (laughs) So I'm reading that description off of tvtropes.org, Manic Pixie Dream Girl. And so that's what exactly what's happening here. And it's also interesting to note that Aaliyah Shawkat, who also co-wrote this film, originally wrote Sergio's character to be a man. Oh. So I kind of... So it was going to be the flip, basically. Exactly. It was originally supposed to be a gender flip of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl trope. 
The difference, though, is that this trope ends badly. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I I feel like this is like, it's that trope, but taken to a more realistic level, Mm. I think, because, you know, the Manic Pixie dream girl personality isn't really sustainable as like a real person. You know what I mean? Like, this was the realistic version of if you did meet somebody like that, there's a kind of destructive quality to that personality that I was really happy to see this film touch on because I don't, I don't see that in other films. And I always, I'm always thinking about it in the back of my mind when she was taking down Nima's father's paintings. And I was like, oh my God, please don't like actually destroy her paintings. Like she Mm -hmm. actually, she wants them up there. Mm -hmm. And you're saying, oh, these are depressing. This is terrible. Get these down. Who even are you? You just showed up in her house and said, take down these, these paintings, you know, I mean, and then sending that horrible email to the directors who had just fired Nima. The amount of destruction this girl caused in Nima's life in less than 24 hours is astounding. Yes, it absolutely is. So earlier you brought up Room in Rome and I'm glad that you did because I got intense Room in Rome deja vu. So if you're not aware, Room in Rome is a film about two femme of center women who meet in Rome and they both have this intense one night together where they're basically naked and fucking the whole time and then they cry and open up to each other and (laughs) i I actually at the time i really loved room in rome i'm not gonna Mm -hmm. lie i really like that and i kind of fell for it i'm like yes they're having sex and they're crying i'm into it i mean that's totally you i feel like that's like your you know it's like extreme emoting and then also like sex yes (laughs) naked women extreme emoting And the the difference between this film and that one is that Room in Rome is about two women who open themselves up to intimacy and in doing so discover new possibilities about themselves. And in this film, at first you think that it's about Nima opening herself up to somebody. You think it's about her allowing herself to be vulnerable, allowing intimacy to come into her life. And the best example of this is when you see that she's sleeping and she sleeps with her fists closed. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And yeah. then the final scene of the, of the film, she like tries to sleep with her hands open and she can't keep them open. Yep. And then they close right back up because if anything, this experience taught Nima, don't trust bitches. Like yeah. you will get hurt. <laughs> no, you will get hurt. Yeah. No. And I, I feel like, you know, I'm hoping that Nima as a fictional character, of course, living on in her fictional universe, I hope that Nima doesn't regret this, but learns from it and learns to know that she deserves better and speak for, up for herself earlier on. Because I feel like I was like um, your friends that you watch this with. Like I spotted that crazy from a mile away. I was like, no, 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 no. This is the girl that like you sleep with once and then you just never talk to her again. Damn. Um, at yeah. the most, <laughs> at the most, you know, maybe even don't sleep with her. Just don't even, you know, get involved in the first place. But I think that there were so many time points during that 24 hours that they were spending together where I was like, this is your chance, man. You got to leave. Like when Nima admitted to her that she got fired that day and Sergio figured out that that's why she came over and she got so upset about it. Yeah. I was like, dude, just go, just go. This is your chance. She's literally like yelling at you to leave. Just leave. This is only going to get worse. One thing that is another warning sign during their honeymoon phase of the of the day, the night, she keeps encouraging Nima to like be her truest self, 
but then also critiques Nima for being her truest self. She's saying like, don't talk about depressing stuff. Why are you doing that? Bosses her around mm-hmm, and sort of mm-hmm. controls her behavior. That's another sign. Wow, this woman, she wants you to be you, but doesn't want you to be you at the same time. Yeah. There were just many red, red, red flags that kept coming up. Also with the dog poop, dog. just poop in general. This girl's obsessed with poop. She put dog poop into a bag and smacked Nima in the face with it. I think she was trying to be playful. That's another one of those times where I would have been like, this is, you can't literally just hit me with dog shit. That's disgusting. If I tell you to stop, you have to stop. And Nima Nima told her to stop multiple times. Sergio kept ignoring the no, which means that she's not somebody who's actually about mutual consent. I mean, she ran the show the whole night, you know, depending on her mood and what she wanted. And Nima was just expected to go along with it. Yeah. Um, And she did for the most part. Yeah. And that's why she suggested the orgy. She suggested a lesbian orgy because she was like, I don't trust myself alone with this woman. Yep. I need somebody here for the end of the 24 hours to protect me. And then the orgy backfires. The two friends show up. Okay, let's get this party started. They were Sergio's friends and started to get awkward. They think, you know what? I think it's time to leave. And Nima suggests that they stay. The two friends look at Sergio like, no, we're going to leave. Sergio just has absolute control that whole time. And you can just see it in Nima's face. She's like, please don't leave me alone with her. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. they're clueless. They don't know. That yeah. that's what's going on. It was scary. The end of it, the movie. It was. And I was you know, now that you her. said that she was originally planning on casting a, a man in that role, I mean, think of how much scarier. It was already terrifying. There was a huge literal danger aspect from Sergio's character where she just seemed so unhinged by the end of it and you just didn't know what she was going to do. I'm trying to imagine how much more scary it would have been with the guy at the end of that. I was really afraid that she wouldn't leave. Me uh, too. At the end. Me too. Because she still knows where you live, Nima. I know. She, she knows where you live. Over. I that know. That was a huge mistake. I remember during the movie, I was thinking, the only way that this <laughs> could be redeemed is if Nima realizes in the end. It doesn't go the Manic Pixie Dream Girl route where it's like, oh, I'm so glad I met Sergio and she opened me. You know what I mean? Like It was like recognized that her behavior was bad and destructive. Um, and that's exactly what happened. So I was happy to see that. And I was so happy that Nima did not go to the showcase in the end. I was really worried that she was going to like turn oh my up God. and be like, oh, you know, I'm here for you, blah, blah, blah. Like I was so scared of that, but it wasn't tropey at all. I'm really, really happy. They showed an unhealthy relationship for what it was. It was unhealthy. Yes. And I actually did appreciate the sex scenes in the film. Yeah. This is a very like sexual and romantic film in some respects, but also shows you the dark side. Like I said before, I wouldn't say it's a bad movie, but if I recommended it to people, I think I would give a little bit of a warning just to prepare emotionally for, for it. I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Since you said you didn't read anything about it ahead of time. Looking back, do you wish you had prepared in any way no i actually like the film a lot like this isn't a film that i would watch to have a good time with because i felt like it was a good thinking movie as a viewer we have to interpret all of the interactions and so we're seeing things play out on screen and we have to put the pieces together And, and i often think that a movie is good if it keeps me thinking for a few days afterwards this definitely kept me thinking (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. You know what she reminded me of? She reminded me of the typical lesbian movie format where it's one girl who doesn't know that she's gay and then she falls for a lesbian and the lesbian is oftentimes a lot like Sergio. You know, she's oh. some like artistic, carefree. I wouldn't necessarily call them manic, manic pixie dream girl, but mm-hmm. now that I think about it, yeah, they kind of do. 
yeah. they kind of do act like that. So yeah, it was kind of interesting to see that that type of a character in a different context. Nima is clearly attracted to something about Sergio, like her, her free-spirited nature, the feeling that she's truly the most liberated person because she is so completely free. And yeah. there are important racial implications here because if you're a woman of color and definitely a queer woman of color, your freedom doesn't feel the same way because you're not protected. Like you do mm -hmm. one thing mm -hmm. wrong and there will definitely be consequences, right? Like right. there isn't room for you to make mistakes or behave in risky ways. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that Sergio was a conventionally attractive white woman who also had a European accent. Oh um, yeah, of course. The epitome of privilege where mm -hmm, they can mm -hmm. behave however the fuck they want and not have to face consequences for it. Of course, in the beginning, she was definitely into Sergio. And I personally think that had like 99 to 100% to do with her looks. Mm. Um, maybe like a 1% with like the person, you know, the personality that she was just okay, starting to see. Okay, that's fair. Had Sergio not been like this super attractive, thin white woman with like a hot European accent, she would have been like, okay, you're weird and I don't like this. Yeah, she she let things slide. There were a lot of things yeah. that she just let slide. Where yeah. would you say was the turning point? And the turning point where you think Nima knew that something was up and the turning point where you knew something was up. Like I said, I spotted this a mile away just from the very beginning. Okay, I'll say I knew for sure 100% that something was up when Nima first turned her down for the 24-hour sexathon offer. She definitely overreacted. She got way too sad about that. The point I think where Nima knew was when they were at her house, Nima's house, and the first time she was trying to go to the bathroom, she had already figured it out. Like she, she was going to the bathroom to try to get some space. She didn't want Sergio to know that anything was wrong. And Sergio, of course, could definitely tell. That's why she think locked that was... her in the bathroom and wouldn't let her out. That was the moment where I knew that Nima knew something was up. But so is that also the point where you realized that something was up or was it sooner for you? I, honestly, I was in denial for so much of the movie. And, <laughs> and I think that surprised me. It really surprised me. I, I didn't expect to hear that from you. I don't think I got to me until two thirds of the movie. Wow. Um, she has sex with Sergio in front of her mom. And that's mm -hmm. when I thought, oh, it's still okay. There was a point where Nima says, it's been three hours since we last had sex. And I was like, oh, you're still interested. Towards the end, when they both say they have to go to the bathroom. Wow. It, was, it wasn't until then yeah, that it really I, hit you. I let it go for a pretty long time. <gasps> I even feel a little bit embarrassed to admit this, but I think part of me wanted so badly to believe the tiny part of my blackened heart that believes love is real. It's like, uh, no, love is real. It's not a lie. It's real. I think your heart isn't that blackened, though. Okay, In general, fair. from knowing you, but also from your reaction to this movie. I mean, you had to wait until literally the shit hit the pan, but um, <laughs> to real. Nicely done. Thank Amira. you. I thought of it like five seconds Very ago. I was like, I got to work this in. Nicely done. <laughs> But, you know, oh I mean, God. I feel like there were so many points before then. And it sounds like from your analysis that you were interpreting it through Nima's eyes. You thought things were okay because Nima seemed to think it was okay. That's maybe a major difference because for me, I don't care what Nima thinks. I, feel, I felt like she was making a mistake. <laughs> but yeah. I was like, you know, it doesn't matter if Nima seems to be okay with this. I think that Sergio's behavior is unacceptable mm. on its own. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Wait, this is the moment I knew. Oh. So it was earlier yeah. than the bathroom scene. When okay. she confessed that she taped an ex oh, having sex with her. Yeah, to that's blackmail some, him. To blackmail, that's some fucked up shit. That's yeah. when I knew I couldn't trust her. That's when I knew like, oh, this, this woman is dangerous. Yeah, and the thing is, is like Sergio's not gonna learn shit from this. 
Oh no, for she's, sure. She's this is clearly she, a she pattern. She sees behavior. herself as a victim in this scenario. Absolutely. I think we should segue into our second yes. film. Yes. Yes. Um, the so, feels. The feels. So Oof. this is also an interracial ship. Uh, well, mm-hmm. the thing is, we can't. I don't. We can't even call Nima and Sergio a ship. But it was a relationship. Yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> we do not ship them. I don't think anybody yes. does. They ha- um, yes, they had relations. Only Sergios out there, only the Sergios of the world would ship them together. That's true. <laughs> the feels is sort of the opposite end of the spectrum. This was like a feel-good lesbian romantic comedy. I have to say, overall, I did like this movie. I, I actually liked yeah. it a lot. Yeah, the feels is in my top ten lesbian movies of all time. Wow. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's on this list. I really enjoyed this film. Mm-hmm. And like what I like about it is that all the characters and their interactions, even as a group, felt authentic. It yes. felt like we were actually hanging out with a group of friends. Yeah, I totally um, agree. It seemed, yeah. I, think it was, I think it was unscripted for a large number of the scenes. But, you know, there are some movies where you can tell it's unscripted and it doesn't feel right or authentic. But I think that this cast did a really good job with um, the directions that they were given, whatever they may have been. I love that this film was about the female orgasm Mm -hmm. and it was about Lou's inability to experience it, but they didn't resolve it by her experiencing an orgasm. Yes, yes, I did like that. I like that a lot. So basically, you know, Andy and Lou are on their bachelorette party weekend with their close friends. And after it comes out that Lou has never had an orgasm, Andy takes it very personally. And you can see that very controlling side of Andy come out and Constance Wu does such a good job with it. And she's like, you know, it's just, this is something I, I have to fix. I have to, I fix, have to it. fix it. And this. that's it. You know, and Lou is like, what? <laughs> yeah. It's not always something that you have to fix. It doesn't have to be like that. But she had good reason to be upset. And it was because Lou had been lying. If I had been in Andy's position, honestly, I probably would have felt really betrayed to have a partner lie for so long about the fact that they've never had an orgasm and to fake it for so long. It's really misleading for your partner and I think it's unfair. I think Mm -hmm. what Lou did was unfair. So I saw both sides, I did. I I did too, I did too. I mean, I can see from Lou's position with the type of person that she is and I think for you and I, Aphrodite, it's a little bit (laughs) hard to, you know, because it's easy to project your own personality onto characters and be like, well, why didn't you just do blah, blah, blah. But I can see that for somebody like Lou, it was hard for her to actually speak up for herself with somebody like Andy, who's very, she's much more like type A. There are these confessionals that are... Where yeah, the little speaking, interviews. The, I, I guess I call them like real world confessionals. Yeah. Um, but when Lou is having her confessional, the, her first one, all the other characters, their confessional is about their first orgasm. But for Lou, she actually talks about how intimidated she was the first time she met Andy. And she says, Andy, who just seemed like this powerful, attractive woman. And she was like, I would never have the guts to go up to her. And when Andy starts coming towards her, she keeps looking behind her like, oh, are you, is this me? Are you looking for me? Um, (laughs) You know, and between the two of them, Andy's just the more, the bolder, more powerful person. Mm -hmm. We also see throughout the, the film that Lou's character is just a people pleaser. She really does want people to get along. She wants everyone to have a good time. And and so she doesn't speak up and she keeps things to herself. And this is, you know, it's a little bit on Andy too, because, you know, when you're dating somebody for that long, how do you not notice 
that aspect of their personality. There was a there's a line that I really appreciated where Andy it finds out that Josh had just fucked Nikki, who is oh, Lou's yeah. sister. By the way, we hate Josh. Like, yeah, Josh is so unlikable. We didn't that need was... him in the movie. No, we didn't. But whatever. So uh, and so Andy has just found out that Josh and Nikki had sex. And then she says, I have to tell Lou, I believe in telling her everything. Mm-hmm. And so that's also the fundamental difference between Andy that's true. and Lou. Andy actually feels that she, as her partner, she must tell her everything. Yeah. And Lou is not that person. Lou is just not somebody who's going to share things that are hurtful. Whereas Andy's like, this is hurtful news, but I have to tell Lou. And I think that's a really good point, um, a difference between them. Because, mm-hmm. you know, that was what Andy was really upset about was that, you know, she, she said, if you're hiding this from me, then what else are you hiding? Right. I mean, the theme of this film is that if you keep secrets, it makes things worse. That presents itself in Nikki, the sister, failing to tell Lou that she's in the middle of getting a divorce. It comes out when Vivian and Kareen, they're like gossiping in the living room and they're giggling about the fact that they just found out that Nikki and Josh had sex. Mm-hmm. And then Lou is in the room thinking that they're making fun of her. That she's in the room thinking, you're giggling, why are you making fun of me? And it's because just the night prior, that's when they were on Molly and she accidentally confesses that she's never had an orgasm. Yeah, yeah. Um, And so this is about like when you, the gossiping, the secret keeping is all just actually hurtful. I like that kind of moral of the story. I know it was like a very, you know, at its essence, it's a very uncomplicated and like wholesome kind of moral. But I, I really like the way that they went about it. I also, so speaking of the, the side characters, of course, yeah, we hated Josh. I really hated that there was a hetero sex scene in this. We did not We need did that. not need that. We it really was disgusting. Didn't. It was like the, the worst. It was such hetero nonsense. I could not believe it was in this film, honestly. I couldn't even believe that he and Andy are best friends. I couldn't that, believe it either. Yeah, he like really clearly couldn't. took, he took advantage of this woman who was very, in a very vulnerable position. Mm-hmm. And he, he, it's like he saw the opportunity and he could not resist it. He was like, yeah. oh, this is, uh, here's a good target. Yeah, and he's then like, there's my, my chance. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what it was. He, and he is that kind of sleazy guy. Um, and I know like their whole like boob drawing thing was supposed to be like cute and whimsical, but just the fact that like they all had to send him boob pics for him to draw made me feel like it was it was like icky i just i didn't like him yeah i feel like if they ever remade this movie or made a similar movie please don't include any men that's just the safest way to go yeah no Um, i I, like i think he's um he's a sexual opportunist mm -hmm. and sexual opportunists are like only a hair away from being rapists um yeah yeah, (laughs) it's true no that's very true you see a vulnerable woman or you see someone who's i don't know insecure or feeling down about themselves and you're supposed to provide comfort but instead you fuck them he's the kind of guy where his sexual partners usually regret it afterwards yeah you know (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) the character i loved the most by far was helen oh Oh, my god my god regular helen loved her regular helen and i loved that she was butch and funny and just oh my god i mean she's the actress herself is a comedian which really showed in her character. And I love that she and Kareen hooked up at the end. Like, how I know. cool was that? I was like, yes, a butch who's, you know, lovable and gets her love interest in the end who we didn't even, you know, I mean, she was kind of uh, starstruck over Kareen because she liked yeah. her. She was a fan of hers. Kareen is a, a singer, right? 
I was just so happy that that happened. I was just cracking up because she was fangirling so hard. As soon as she yeah. arrived at, at the house, she's like, oh, do you use auto-tune? Yeah, she's she- like asking all these questions. I was thinking about this the entire time on the drive here. And, and, then, and, then, and then when they're all out to dinner, Kareen sings for maybe 20 or 30 seconds. And yeah. then Helen is crying. And then Helen is crying. Like, she's like so easy. And then Kareen is eating it all up. Puts her hand over her. She's like, oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. She's loving this feedback. She's loving being fanned over and fawned mm-hmm. over mm-hmm. by a fan. And Helen is just so happy to deliver. I also <laughs> love the line when they talk about the or boob guessing game where they have to yeah. guess whose boobs are what picture. And she's like, be prepared to be perplexed. I'm wearing a sports bra. Like, <laughs> She had so many gems like that. Oh, my God. I mean, this movie is honestly, like, I, I loved it, but I would even say that it's worth watching for Helen alone. Oh, my because God. Because she's amazing throughout the film. And, and when you see her her little testimonial thing at the end. Oh, my God. <laughs> her, test- her confessional is the best of the entire body. It is. It's the best one. And I love those moments when you're watching a movie and you, I don't know, I, you know, because I'm always thinking about, you know, kind of behind the scenes aspect. I am positive that she was ad-libbing most of this and <laughs> that they had to cut. I like, I want to see like the unedited, you know, blooper reel of like the other wild stories she came up with, but maybe like cracked up before she could finish it or something like that. Oh my God. She's there's, just, she's a gem. There's no way that the people on set were keeping it together. Oh, no way. No way. That was just so hilarious. <laughs> Regular Helen. Oh yeah. No, yeah. she's, and her, she's comment, her commentary is just brilliant. Lou says, what if as soon as I come, I become Beyonce? And then <laughs> Helen has to add, what if girls shot out of your puss when you came? Like, <laughs> like those little, like those little, like uh, the tiny dinosaurs that you put in water and then they like expand. Yeah. That has to be improv. That, that has to have been improvised. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I said, I don't, I don't think much of this movie was scripted, honestly. Like the, the, a lot of the scenes had that unscripted feel. But for sure, Helen just said whatever the hell was on her. I mean, that actress, there's no way if she was given a script that she was reading what was on the script. Nobody could have written this for her. I love Ugh. that the fan actually got the girl. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it was the Butch fan. Like, I just, I can't tell you how much that means to me to see cool Butch representation that, and, it, and I was like, okay, you know, she sold just the comedic relief. But then she wasn't just the comedic relief. Mm-hmm. You know, she got a hookup in the end. And I was just, oh, I was so happy. I was so happy yeah. to see that. So Kareen, she says she's from a Middle Eastern family and there's mm-hmm. a part in her confessional where she's speaking in Armenian. Yeah. And she talks about how in the Middle East, orgasms don't exist. And so she's like, as far as I know, I've never had one. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, it feels like a film where two of the characters happen to be queer women of color and not like a special about right. The right, experience exactly. of being a queer woman of color, you know? There are yeah. just little comments here and there. So Kareen's confessional talks a little bit about, like, here's the context that I grew up with. But then she closes her confessional with this story where she's basically a dog. And she yeah. puts her hand around a woman's neck and says, don't fucking tell me not to make a sound. You see that duality where mm-hmm. in her family life, in her upbringing, she's never been able to express herself sexually but then it's not like her sexuality doesn't exist. She just, I think, manages to keep those worlds pretty separate. And I think that's true to the QPOC experience too. But the other instance where we get any kind of 
recognition that Andy is um, an Asian woman is where she kind of jokes where it's like, what kind of dog would you be? And she says, don't say Chinese Crescent. Um, you know, <laughs> so she like pokes fun yeah. at things. And then she makes fun of Josh for like trying to say something in Chinese at the dinner table. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But otherwise, they don't play up the fact that she's Asian. She's just right. half of a couple. And she is also Chinese. Yeah, and I, I love that kind of representation. Like you said, I think it's much more realistic. It's way more relatable for people of color to watch because, you know, our whole lives aren't just us talking about <laughs> what race we are. And the same thing with queer representation. You know what I mean? It's not just like, which I realize is a little bit hypocritical of me to say because I'm definitely like that move, bitch, I'm gay. Yeah. But... <laughs> yeah. One thing I also thought about is there's a tendency to believe like, oh, white women are always way more assertive and Asian women are always passive. Mm. That's flipped in this film where Lou is clearly of the two of them, the more passive character. And Andy is just like very, very assertive. She has a sense of agency and she expects other people to speak up for themselves and to be adults. Lou is like, you don't make me feel safe. You're not easy to talk to. And Andy's like, "It's, it's not my job to tell you how to be an adult, which is like as blunt and as yeah. it's almost heartless her it was her approach. a little a little much when she when she said that to her you know it's like it's it's called being an adult it's called growing the fuck up and yeah. i was like whew i mean that tea is a little hot but i mean like i get it yeah. but at the same time to yell that at your fiance when she's just shared the fact that she's never had an orgasm yeah yeah, yeah. the best scene outside of the confession helen's confessional scene my second favorite scene is at the very end where mm-hmm, Lou finally mm-hmm. comes around. So uh, basically, Andy felt bad about it and she decides that it's time for her to leave because she doesn't make her fiance feel safe. She's like, I feel like right. I'm the problem. The problem is me. If I can't make you feel good, then why do you even love me? And she has her suitcase ready to go. And yep, then Lou yep. says, Stop, shut up, listen, I'm talking to you. And yes, you're a fucking bitch. Yeah. I love when she said that. I know, I know. I love that scene too when she finally, like, you know, kind of finds her voice and lets Andy have it and just yells at her <laughs> in front of all their friends. But it's like this positive moment. I feel like they did that so well where you're not like, oh no, she's yelling at her. They're fighting. Yes, that's great. This is what this relationship needs. This is a good thing. And I, I really liked that they kind of joked it off like immediately afterwards. And it was a good ending. It was a very feel good ending. It was real, it was heartfelt. I felt emotional as I was watching, and I was truly rooting for them. I shipped this ship. For um, sure. They deserve each other, and they, they're going to make it work. And yes, Andy is the bitch in the relationship. And yeah. Lou is the goofy weirdo. All of their goofy scenes were just adorable together. Oh, I know. I know. You can tell that they just love to play. And, yeah. Yeah, and that's their dynamic. I think the actresses did a fantastic job with these characters. They really brought them to life well. Their chemistry on screen was great. They were so believable as a couple. Um, I, I just, everything about this movie, except for the hetero nonsense, was just fantastic. So I think that's our take home from yeah. these two films. We both highly recommend The Feels. This feels like a, The Feels, I'm just saying The Feels a lot. <laughs> um, the Feels feels like a film yes. from our community. Yeah, it does. It felt like it was written by queer people and written for queer people. Minus all Again, the except nonsense. for, yeah, exactly. I just, I don't know Honestly, where that came from. So there are seven of them. I could have done without three. Like the sister, Josh, and Vivian. All the straight people did. Yeah, all the straight people, exactly. 
that you could have replaced them with three more queer women. You know, duck butter. So Aphrodite, you really liked it. I have my reservations. I, I'm not saying don't go see it. I'm just saying be warned. <laughs> Damn. If you want to see it. I don't know. I just, I don't know. It was a lot. It was a lot. So, that's fair. That's totally yeah. fair. That's it's not totally a movie fair. I would watch again. But I, I'm not saying, I'm not upset that I watched it. I don't, I mean, there are some movies that you watch and you're like, oh my God, I just wasted like two hours, you know? Yeah. It's definitely not one of those movies. I'm happy I yeah. saw it, but I, I won't be seeing it again. I think I would see it again with other people to watch mm-hmm. how they react. Oh, um, interesting. I feel like this film was, an, it was a contribution. I don't think we've seen it before. Mm-hmm, um, at mm-hmm. least in, if you think about lesbian cinema, I don't feel like we've seen it before. I think it deserves to be watched so you can talk about it. Yeah, because it's, it's like you said, we haven't seen it before, but I would ask, who was asking to see it? Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, I'm being a little bit of a harsh critic. No, no, you should but... be. We're, yeah, we don't have to uh, both like the same movies. I feel bad because I like the actresses. I feel like it was well done. I also want to say minor addition. I was kind of sad that Mae Whitman didn't have a bigger role in that, oh, in Duck Butter. Oh, who plays the best friend? Yeah, Ellen. I was yes. I was disappointed that she didn't get a, a bigger role. But, I mean, you know. It was, yeah, it was definitely an Arrested Development reunion over there. I know, um, I know it was. I yeah. thought that was really cute. Sergio's behavior, if you had a friend who behaved like that, you wouldn't let wouldn't. them get away with it, right? <laughs> Um, I, would, like, I wouldn't have a friend that behaved like that. That's... Yeah, but like Sergio's friends clearly have no idea. Oh, no, they didn't. And I think they just thought that she was like this cool, whimsical kind of person. And they, they just did not know the magnitude of that whimsy, I guess yeah. you could say, <laughs> where it turned into like danger. Um, that, I think, concludes our debrief of yep. these two films. But I think we should really consider a, a podcast episode idea who our celebrity crushes are. Or I was just going to suggest are. that. You know, maybe let's do that. Let's say we do that next week. We'll do fangirl fantasies. Oh, my God. Um, fictional girlfriends. And by fictional, we mean we're not dating them in real life, but they may be a real life person. So um, <laughs> it, could, it could be a fictional character. It could be an actress that portrays a fictional character. Either way. Who are our fantasy? Let's let's try to round up each of us. Like, what do you think? Top like five? a top ten or f- top oh, five? Yeah. Gosh. So we have top five could be that would be a brutal competition there. We can include honorable mentions, maybe. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I like this as an idea. Next time we'll be talking about fictional celebrity character girlfriends or, mm-hmm. or crushes, whatever, and we'll have to rank them. Yes. So this gives me a little bit of time to think about. Mm-hmm. you got um, homework. Would go on, I know. I've got fangirl homework, and so do you. This is going to be fun. This is going to cool. be really fun. All I right. hope you enjoyed this edition of Let's Get Our Ship Together. Yes, and please don't forget to tweet us at QWOC Ship. If you have ideas about what you'd like for us to talk about, if there are films or TV shows that we are not aware of, please alert us to them. Just, you know, any of your ideas, suggestions, compliments, critiques, don't hold All back. Right. Okay. <laughs> okay, tune in my seat, guys. Bye.